welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Awesome. So that's just amazing. Like the, the, like the Lord, the Lord uses us for people. So the things that he puts in our heart, that's his desire. He puts his desire and his heart and his passion and what matters to him and what he wants to see happen, which is his will and his kingdom to come and be done. He puts that in us when we're willing and open for him to lead us and live through us. He puts that in us. So we're compelled to then be him on the earth, which looks like thinking, living and loving like Jesus, which looks like following what he said which looks like following the, the, the New Testament, the gospel, the, the epistles, the instructions. It looks like adhering to them, following them, and allowing the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, to guide us into what we read and then live it out. So when we pray, we're following the Lord's instructions to pray. Matthew 6, 9 says, pray then like this. It's not the Lord's prayer. It's a silly subtitle above it that's been in every Bible for a century. It's the disciples' prayer. It's the model Christian prayer. The Lord's prayer is John 17. I don't know why we muck it up. Because then we get all confused. This is the, Lord, this is the Lord's prayer is John 17. This is the disciples' prayer. So when Judy grabs a hold of the Lord's heart for people and for her dad... For her father-in-law, she begins to pray. Now, if we don't know what this has said, then we don't, we don't understand that it's not just to pray once and then magically something happens. And that we, we love that. We, we love it when we pray and then immediately we see a... But he's, he, he's moving behind the scenes. And her relationship with the Lord and, and, and believing and applying, hearing and doing, she saw the fruit of prayer. Because he wants to use you in the prayer and what you want to see happen. He's so loving and so encouraging and so empowering that he wants to use you in the prayer. He wants to use you in whatever you want to see happen or change. It's his nature to use you. Because when he uses you, you step into a realm and a place where you're the most alive. Where you feel the most content. Where you feel the most significance. Where you feel the most joy. He, he, he could easily do all of these things outside of us, but he's chosen the method of using people for people. And it's been the case since day dot. And it will be the case until Jesus returns. And he will return. He will return. Side note, don't let just negative things be your marker of when Jesus is coming back. I'm not going to open up a can. But it's really important that we don't just allow only 
negative things to be a sign of the end of the age. Because there's a lot of positive things in the Bible that quote in the last days that we need to look at as well. So if we only look at negative, we just get trapped in a thinking of, oh, it's all, it's all done. But we have, to, we have to rightly divide the word of truth and take into all the scriptures about the last days and weigh them up. Is that okay? Super important. Because often we just go, everything negative, oh, this is it. And it's like, wow, there's a lot of positive things about the last days. Like Isaiah 2 says, in the last days, nation will not rise against nation. I'm like, hang on. Jesus, you said that nation will rise against nation. Yeah. That's why we've got to be close to him and, and work out what, what's the time. What, where are we at right now? And we can get caught up and just go, oh, it's over. Let's go. All right. And then we just like, all right, Jesus is coming. Let's, what do we do? And we just get confused. But it's like, oh, the assignment hasn't changed. He, he, he wants people to know him. And he's using us to do that. And heaven to earth has not changed. People leading people. The last time I spoke, I spoke about Joshua. Um, the message was titled, Choosing to Linger. And we just, we picked apart, I picked apart, you didn't, I did. I picked apart Joshua's life a little bit and just talking about that we've been talking about all year about sitting at the table, that he prepares a, a, a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And the context of that is in his presence and seated opposite to him. That's the context of that verse, Psalm 23 verse 5. It's, it's in his presence, but it's opposite to him face to face. That's what the, the, the Hebrew context means. It's about pursuing the Lord for who he is, not what he can do, even though we want him to do things, but, but pursuing him and pursuing his face. The Hebrew word for faith, uh, presence is the word panim, and it's interchangeable through the Old Testament with the word face. So when the Bible talks about the word face, 90% of the time it's talking about presence, which is just amazing. So when we pursue his presence, we're pursuing his face. We're not pursuing a, a, a buzz or a feeling. We're not, we're not pursuing a force. We're pursuing the face of a perfect father. We're pursuing what, who he is and what he is like. And when we pursue that, we get to know him and understand what really matters to him. And then it flows through our life and out to other people. But that work of pursuing his face really requires something from us and that is that he would work in us because we're so susceptible to just beg God for stuff and ask him to do stuff and he's like oh you're no longer slaves I've called you friends and friends know what the master is doing I've I've it's my kind intention that you know my will Ephesians says I've drawn you in close to show you what my will is so you no longer have to pray prayers like, if it's your will, da-da-da-da. It's actually an illegal New Testament prayer now because we know his will. He's proven it. The will of God was manifest in Jesus. So if we want to know what the will of God was, we look at Jesus' life, his message, and everything that he did and showed. He came to reveal the Father and what he was like. Hebrews 1 says that he came. In long ago, 
uh, Hebrews 1, 1, long time ago, the Lord chose to spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, in this time, he now speaks through the Son. And the Son is the exact representation of his being. It's beautiful. And he's chosen to use us, people to influence people. So he's talking about Joshua, about these, a crazy time that he was alive because the one that he looked up to, his father and mentor, and the one that was pouring into him died. As I said, he was there during all the building of the tabernacle, all the leading, all the logistics of leading so many people. The goal was to lead them into the promised land and our assignment is the same. It's to lead them into Jesus to receive eternal life and everything that he is. And we look through uh, Joshua's life and the, the fact that the Lord said, be strong and courageous three times and that he started to lead the people. Moses is dead. It's time for you to arise because I've chosen you to lead these people into the promised land. And the, and, the, and the Jordan River split open and they walked through on dry ground. There were so many testimonies that happened. We spoke about the five kings that all collaborated together to attack Joshua. We spoke about that we've got a lot of stuff going on all the time. That life just doesn't end up being all sweet and amazing. It's, not, it's fantasy to think that at some point in a week or two or a month or a year, everything's going to be awesome and fine. The Lord's plan is that you're actually going to be okay in the storm. That's the plan. The plan is that we just got to get better at what's happening inside of us when all the stuff goes down. Because Jesus said, Jesus prophesied, <laughs> in this life you'll face many trials and many sorrows. But the same Jesus who said that said like three or four times in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't be anxious. I'm like, hang on, hang on. <laughs> you said, <laughs> you said, in this life, you will face many sorrows and trials. And then you said, do not worry about a thing. I'm sorry, that does not add up for me. That's not the math that I would use. I would think that they join perfectly together, that because of that, I worry. <laughs> Lots. But the fact that you had to say it three or four times, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. Paul said it. I mean, Paul's this cat that, that man, he, he went through so much and he's like in Philippians 4, he's like, rejoice, comma, and again I say rejoice. Okay, cool. And that word means um, get happy and joyful because of grace, which is awesome. And he said, do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> and this is Paul writing. And for him to write it, he had to live it and own it and have a breakthrough in it because he can't write it. He can't write something that's not true. And he can't tell them to do something that he hasn't already done. So he's like, rejoice, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything. But in all things... But in all things, pray about everything and present your requests to God. And the peace of God, 
will come and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the deal. We want the peace of God. We all want the peace of God to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. We all want that. We want the peace of God. That nothing missing, nothing broken. The shalom of God. We want the Prince of Peace manifesting in our life. Wholeness, complete, sound. Which is in the middle of chaos, in the middle of war. God peace, biblical peace. We want that. We want him to guard our hearts and our minds from things that happen. We want that. But I'm learning more and more that often we just want stuff and we actually haven't done part A. And what's part A? Rejoice. Why can you rejoice? You need your... Oh, wow. We want, our, we want the peace of God to guard our heart and our mind. We don't need our hearts and minds guarded if everything's fine, do we? Why do we need our heart and our minds guarded? Because things are going to go down. You're going to face trials of many kinds and sorrows. Jesus said it. So we need peace to guard our hearts and our minds. But often we just want that without actually doing part A, which is rejoicing that the fact that he's the God of the universe and in charge. And then he says, pray about everything. So I've been like, just questioning my life, like, I want the peace of God, but am I rejoicing and am I praying about everything and am I intentionally not being anxious? And I think the key to not being anxious is to rejoice and rejoice, and, and again I say rejoice. And then we step into thanksgiving. Because re- when we're rejoicing, it's, a, it's thanksgiving and rejoicing hold hands. So it's this, it's this when I'm tempted to be anxious... I've got to pause that verse and step back into this verse and go rejoice. I, I praise you. I thank you. And allow the testimonies and the remembering who he is to start to stir up. And often we just do it for a bit and Paul goes, no, no, no. Again, I say rejoice. It's really important that you rejoice, that you remember grace, that you remember what he saved you from, that you remember where you were, That when you were far off, he still chose to die for you and invited you to come. But pray about everything. Pray about everything. And present your requests before God. And the peace of God will come and guard your hearts and your minds. So good. Yeah, okay. Making sense. Great. Really good. So Joshua. It's going to read Joshua 1, 1, 1 to 9, like we did last time, but just want to highlight two verses at the end, um, and it's going to make sense. So you can turn to that, or you can look at your phone, or not. After the death of Moses, this is Joshua 1, 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. Come on. 
from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses, for I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command for the third time. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen? That's a great scripture. Fantastic. I want, us to, I want us to highlight this today. We've been talking about the Lord working in us all year, being seated at the table, just allowing Him to work in us, to build us, seeking His face, not His hands. And I just feel like the Lord's just, just going to cap a couple of messages just to finish off this year with what I've been sharing. And then Lee's going to jump up in a couple of weeks and just really um, hone in and, at, at the table and close that out for the year. And then we'll launch into theme Sunday for next year. But this, I just feel this um, permeant and important for today. Is that, is that appropriate words to use? Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you. Oh, that was <laughs> yeah, amazing, Lee. Joshua 1.8. I apologize. Joshua 1, 8 to 9, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. All right. So good. So we've been talking about the work of God that he's doing in us. Philippians 1.6 says that, that I be, he who began a good work will complete it. So the work that he began, he's committed to continuing it and completing it. He started it, he's going to finish it, but he's going to be in the middle like he was with Moses, like he was with Joshua. The promise of, I'm going to be with you like I said I was going to be with Moses. The promise is the same today. Jesus actually quoted that. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you or forsake you. It's an Old Testament line from God, but Jesus used it in the New Testament. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you because I'm in you. That's cool. Emmanuel, God in us. Come on. So he said, I, I, I made this whole thing up. I chose people. I chose people to influence people and the way I want this to work is I want to work in you so that I can work through you I want you to know me and everything I'm about identity I want you to get identity I want you to understand who I am now because of the cross and the finished work I want you to live out identity but I want you to also understand intimacy with me I want you to be close with me I want you to be face to face I want you to learn prayer which is 
prosuke, coming really close to God, face to face, very close, and giving him our life. Prosuke, the Greek word. And I want you to also learn proskunio, which is worship, to bow down and to become face to face. I want you to learn these words about intimacy and presence and being one with me and what it looks like to be one with me. I want you to action your oneness. I don't want it to be a, just a, a pie in the sky, high thought. I want it to be real every day. I want you to know and feel that you're one with me. And this book is full of instruction and encouragement, and charges, and commandments, and things to follow, so that we can action our oneness, so that we can put legs on our oneness, because it can't just be a thought. He wants you to feel it. Now, yes, the righteous live by faith, but by faith, I'm going to feel you, God. Because throughout the New Testament, we just claim, oh, it's all about faith, brother. You don't feel anything. No, no, that's garbage. The Scripture's true, but it's completely out of context with all the words knowing, knowledge, knowing, knowledge, because that Greek word means to know by experience. Gnosko, gnosko, to know by experience. So yes, it's by faith, and we can't just be flippant and fickle and just go on emotions only. But the Lord's wired us, body, soul, and spirit, to connect with Him on our spirit that connects with God, but also our emotions are involved. Our soul is involved. He wants us to know Him, to experience Him. Intimacy. Understand who we are and what's available now, but then influence what's possible for us to live like, to live out of. This is the work that He's doing in you to understand intimacy, to understand identity, but to understand influence. I've chosen you to lead these people. It's easy to look left and right into the people that are louder than others, that they'll do the stuff. But he's called all of us and he knows what you're wired like. He knows your character and nature. He knows what you're passionate about. He knows what area of influence you currently have. He knows what's in your hand and he wants to use you there. Your testimony is powerful. You don't have to do a 70-week course on how to share your testimony. You know what happened. You know what happened. You were there. You were involved in the story. This work that he's doing in us, he said he, he started it, he's going to continue it, and he's going to complete it. want to just move into... Uh, so we're holding Joshua, be strong and courageous, and following the instructions of uh, this book of the law. We're holding that. That's going to be our main bit we're going to talk about today that, that, it, that if we follow it and obey it if we if we treat this as God's word and value it and 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 hold it highly in our life this promise to Joshua is actually going to be fulfilled in our life so we're going to go back to that but I want us to look at um, Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica, or however you want to pronounce it, Thessalonica. It's okay. And it's probably one of the most encouraging and affirming books that Paul writes. And he doesn't whip every church, but there's things to address. And this one, it starts out different, very affirming. 
there was something about them that they just got and they started applying and, and they embraced his teaching, Paul's teaching, and who knows that Paul's teaching was the teaching of Christ. Like, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. So the, the teaching and the doctrine that Paul lays down, it's not his doctrine, even though he presented it, it's the doctrine of God. It, it's, it's, it's Jesus. It's, he, he's a... Like, God came Old Testament, yep, great, and then Jesus came and presented the, the new way of living because of the cross and what's possible, and then Paul continued the journey and presented how it all outworks through the church and people and, and living out the gospel. Does that make sense? So this is Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 to 10. This will be the last major chunk of Scripture for this morning. And he is affirming these guys. You also, so he just, he given him a huge rap for the first five verses. And then he moves into verse six. Also, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word during, uh, during great affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So because Paul came and everything was happening, they started copping it. That signs and wonders, salvation, like everywhere Paul went, it just blew up. So he's like encouraging people and they get sucked into it because they're like, yeah, we're following the way now. And, and they get caught up in it because all the pot, they're just moving in power and, and it's just blowing up everywhere. And the religious leaders of the day are not happy. And, and Paul's saying like, I know you guys are copying it because of the message that we brought you. Like that's full on. But they embraced it. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word during great affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. Verse 8, for the word, second time the word's used, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Archaea, but in every place, the news of your faith towards God has gone out, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves, Macedonia and Achaia and all the other places, for they themselves report about us as to the kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait his Son from heaven, who was raised from the dead, that is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. Oh, that's good. And then he makes this amazing statement that I think is the reason for the fruit that the Thessalonians were living out of. And it's uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Are you ready? Come on, guys. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. So again, he gives them another big rap in chapter 2 and he says, For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as a word of a mere man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which also is at work in you who believe. Man, I love this. It's just like, a, like a, one of those verses. Like, we're praising God 
because when we came and taught and demonstrated, but taught and demonstrated, so it was both, but when we came, you received the word not as a mere human piece of writing or language, but as it was the word of God. And and the fruit of their life, I believe, was because they received this as the inspired God-breathed word. They were applying it. It says three times in verse 1 about the word, how they welcomed it in, they embraced it, they treated it as the word of God. And, and, And I've been just, again, processing this all year on what he has for me and what he has for us in the big picture of the assignment of you bringing heaven to earth every day that's measurable, tangible, practical. And we're on a journey of allowing him to work in us. So the work is within us. And then what what is the work though? What's the work? The work is becoming like Christ. That's the work. Where is the work? The work's inside us. But what is the work? It's becoming like Christ. Romans 8 27 to 30 talks about for, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of the Son. To be, to be changed and transformed into the image of the Son. That the finished work of the cross would go through the renewed mind journey in our soul and manifestation of all that would come through our life. That we would apply the cross to our life, which is the renewed mind journey, yeah? That we will know the truth, that we would experience the truth and the truth will set us free. It's an ongoing journey of becoming like Christ. So the work is within us, but what is the work? It's becoming like Christ. The work that God is doing is within us and the work is conforming us into the image of the Son so that we can, everywhere we go, think, live and love like Jesus. And then I'm asking the question, okay, but what is the work according to? So it's in me, yeah, and the work is me becoming like Jesus. But what's that according to? Like, is it according to me and what I think Jesus is? Is it according to podcasts or worship songs or preachers gone by? Is that the the standard? Is that the example? Is that the benchmark? What is the work according to? What is the work of me becoming like Christ according to? The work is according to his word. And I worry a little with the day and age that we're living in where really anything, I could wear anything to Southland and that's fine. Like anything. I could, I could, wear, a, I could wear a onesie now and just go in there and it's just absolutely sweet. Like, isn't that good though? Like you thought what you're wearing today is great, right? And so did I. But, but like the day and age we're living in, like anything is going. I far out. I mean, seriously. Like, it's just open slather. Hey, it's insane. Oh, it's insane. Oh, wow. Let's talk about this another time. But but I'm just going to say, it's insane, right? It's insane. 
So what's the standard? What's the standard? What's the benchmark? What's the measure? What's the, what's the marker? What, what's, the, what's it according to? Like, wh- what am I transforming into? Yes, Jesus, but who's telling me this? H- what am I following? And what I worry is that, that, that we can quote the last part of the verse, I want peace to guard my heart and mind, but are we actually acknowledging the process of the Lord's intimacy and work in our life, of Him actually allowing it to, to come alive and to be close with Him and allowing the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, to come alongside when I open it up and Him to share and reveal and to highlight and to touch and to speak and to heal and to come close and to comfort and to encourage me. And then for me to live it out, am I doing that? Or am I quoting the end of a verse, hoping that the peace comes to guard my heart and mind, but I haven't gone on the journey to learn what it said? And we're so obsessed with the prophetic, and we need to be, because it's been missing, and we need the prophetic. But what God's saying can only be powerful and active if we know what He's said Like we only know that healing's possible because it's been written down. Like people are like, oh, I don't know if the Bible's authoritative and I don't know if it's been passed down and it's, not, and, and, and it's all just about knowing God and it's about experiencing God and presence and everything like that and spirit and prayer. And I'm like, I'm like oh my gosh, um, you don't know anything apart from that. Like you, do, you don't actually know what's possible, even what you explained to me, you don't have language for unless it was first written. So all the stuff and the experiential stuff's great and true and right, and we need this to come alive in our life. But we first have to understand what it said. Because if we want to know what he's saying, we've got to know what, it, what he said. So in the moment to moment, if you don't, if, if you've never read this, now, he can do anything that he wants, yeah? So if you've never read it, he can still speak, yeah? But that's, that's, I would say, more of an exception, not the rule. Because the whole Bible's filled with, read this, learn this. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, 150 verses. It's all about the Word. You read every verse and it's all about the precepts, the statutes, the Word, the Scriptures, the intentions. Like, just incredible but we, we cannot know what he's saying and we cannot know what God is like and we cannot know what his character is. We cannot know about Jesus. We cannot know about the cross. We cannot know what's available unless we read this. It perfectly articulates and defines who God is, which then r- writes out a beautiful invitation for you to experience what you read. It's not the Father, Son and Holy Scriptures. But we have to highly value this. And I've just got to, I've got to just trust that the Lord, in His goodness and kindness, has protected it and passed it down with not a word missing. 
Because if I go into, I'm not sure how it's all passed down and the translations and the, and the switching and the swapping and the process and now I don't even think we've got it. It's a, it's a world of chaos. And if someone can jump up and that would be great. Beautiful couple expecting a little baby. Come on. Love you guys. It's this beautiful relationship. And again, it, it's, it's a popular message, word and spirit. It's, it's beyond that. It is that, but it's beyond that. It's really like what I was talking about. Like, are, are we, I want the Lord to work in me because I know what He's called me to. And I want what He's called me to to be lasting. I want it to last. I want it to be sustained. I don't want a flash in the pan. I don't just want a cool meeting. I don't just don't want a great conference. Like, you can have your conference. Not you, but you. I love them and they're great, but I'm like, it's more important that he works in me. But that's important. And Paul says something really powerful in, in Colossians 3.16. He says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And again, that's just not a, there's a process to having the peace of God rule in your hearts. Which he talks about in Philippians 4, like 10. He's like, if you follow everything that I have told you, the peace of God will be with you. But he says, let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I feel the Lord inviting us into, again, not a season, but a, a new normal, a new lifestyle, a new habit of valuing the scriptures and the partnership of presence and fire and worship and prayer and, and going out and living the normal Christian life, but in partnership with knowing who he is and what he's like and embracing it. Because if we don't know what he's said, I think it can be a bit chaotic. And I would propose and take the liberty that people that feel chaotic, I'm not sure how your scripture life is. Can I take the liberty to say that? It's like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling financially. It's, I just can't. Da, 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 da. I'm like, are you tithing? And being generous. No. Love you if you would simply follow his word. I'm going through this and this and this and this. Do you know what he's promised for this type of situation? Oh, no, I'm just sort of quoting stuff that's on my mug and my pillow. I'm like, <laughs> he made this whole thing up he is the maker and he's got a really great instruction manual like his heart is that you would know him and we can't know him unless we read it's like it feels like so elementary what I'm saying but it's like we make it this weird thing that it's just this thing out here but it's no it's first here and then it's into there 
often we just want come up here and I'm like can we go down here and read what's possible up there and then it begins not just this this but it's this life of opening it up and and, and just destroying and devouring this book knowing that it's not just a book but it's representing him and inviting us into knowing him if we could stand to our feet and What I, what I feel him doing and see him doing is inviting us into a new day, a new time of valuing the scriptures and valuing his presence and valuing his voice and allowing him to highlight and speak through his word. And the result is going to be chaos is going to fall away. Because isn't it interesting that when God said, let there be light, before he spoke, it, there was chaos. So right now, Jesus, thank you, God, for your word. 